It is the Middle Ages, and it's that time of year again. The summer sun is beating down, and you are starting to feel a sickness coming on. And you know what? You could go for a haircut, too. There's only one place to take care of both your problems. The barber. If you go back far enough, long before established haircutteries and hospitals, these places were one and the same. The haircuts were straightforward, but their medical surgeries, however, were somewhat different than what we know today. The go-to was to give you a pull to squeeze and cut your veins open, a procedure called bloodletting. And if you ever wondered where those red, white, and blue barber poles come from, look no further than this very practice. Red for the blood that is leaked, and white for the cloth used to stop the blood. Blue is either for the veins, or a way to be patriotic, as poles in European countries are just red and white. I'm not sure about others, but I had not put this much thought into the places that I got my hair cut. In fact, I rarely ever went to a barber growing up, and instead went to salons with my grandma. So this made me wonder, are there even many barber shops around anymore? How do you become a barber? And if they're disappearing, what's happening to them, and why? The only way to find out is to go talk to one, and maybe get a haircut while I'm at it. I invite you to join me as I talk shop with Joe, the barber. Pretty straightforward, people come in, they sit down, and we talk about what they want in terms of changing up their hairstyle, and then just cut hair. It's pretty much all that's really required. This is Joe Diaz, a 27 going on 28 year old barber in Jonesville, Florida. Professionally, he's been cutting hair for three years. However, his interest in cutting hair goes back much further. Before I was a barber, I, I, the first time I picked up clippers, I was probably like 15 or 16, and it was just cutting my own hair, doing mohawks and stupid stuff. And then I started doing it for teammates and friends of mine. And it was just like a little way of making 10 bucks here or there for gas or whatever, uh, and just hanging out. And I always enjoyed the atmosphere of it and being able to hang out, talk to people, and also see the like, product of my labor right before my eyes. Um, so went to school, worked for a few years, then joined the military, I was in that for a few years. And when I got out, I was thinking I was gonna go back to school, but I wanted to work. And I knew I didn't want to do a corporate job. I didn't want to sit in an office and I didn't want to have to deal with, you know, uh, restrictions in terms of dress policy, like how I wore my own hair, tattoos, things like that. And I mean, when I think of career fields that have the most leniency on issues like that, it's like tattoo artists and barbers come to mind, so. Which makes barbering a perfect fit for Joe. On the outside, the shop he works at is plain. So plain, in fact, that I almost missed my turn into it. There's a sign that says barber in a plain red font. However, on the inside, it's like taking a step back into the old west. The walls are decorated with old rifles and cow skulls. The floors are wooden, and in the back, a radio is constantly playing oldies. If this weren't manly or Western enough, a framed photo of John Wayne hangs on the wall, posing like he just got his hair cut himself. The shop I work at particularly, we don't advertise. We don't have flyers. We don't, a Facebook page exists. Nobody posts on it. I don't think anything's been put up there for a year or two. Um, I take a couple of pictures on my Instagram, but even then I don't really advertise or put that out to people. And we have a little sign on the strip mall that we're at that just says barber in white letters with a red background. And you can see it when you drive by. You might even miss it though with the other businesses on that marquee. 
Um, so how a lot of people find us is through word of mouth. But much to my surprise, Joe gets customers regularly and not just John Wayne types either. My shop's actually kind of fascinating for that because the way the city is growing and shifting towards that way, we have some upper economic neighborhoods that I've, I've cut the CFO of North Florida. I cut uh, one of the, the top heart surgeons at North Florida. Um, the whole anesthesiologist staff at Shands comes to us. Um, a lot of nurses. I mean, it's just Gainesville, so North Florida and Shands, you'll get plenty of those. Um, but then coming from the countryside of it too, I mean, I have people that come in that are real world farmers, they're like cowboys. I mean, they're not wearing the cowboy hat as an act. It's they're coming in because they just got done at one o'clock in the afternoon from being up at three, four in the morning, wrestling cows and whatever else they were doing. I think the idea of the barbershop is this like overly testosterone filled macho masculine arena. It is a little bit exaggerated, but just a little, because I think people do come in, especially the male clientele that we have, they come in just expecting, you know, it's a barbershop. They can relax. They can talk a little bit looser. They can feel a little less like they're being, being judged or like they've got to maintain some type of cultural standard. It's, they come in, they shoot the shit and they don't have to feel, you know, like they've got to put on airs to be there. I, I think part of, I, I definitely think that I, the toxic masculinity aspect, some of the circles that I find myself in, I, I know that there are guys that, that laugh that off and they think that it's a, an obnoxious, overly PC social justice, you know, buzz, buzz phrase almost that people latch onto, but there is legitimacy to it, and I, I think it takes a lot of ignorance to just ignore. And that's where ignorance comes from, is ignoring. I mean, it's it's ignorance on the part of not accepting that that aspect to the world is out there. And yeah, in a barbershop, you witness it. I mean, it, it exists. I mean, I people come in all the time, like, don't really want to hang out with these people ever. I'll do my job, but they definitely, you know, hold themselves with that image of like this is what a man is this is what man's got to do and this is how men do it and women don't understand you know it's the old boys club type of mentality um but i think part of what's being lost in a little way is yeah most most guys come into a barbershop because all they want is to just get some hair cut off they don't they don't want a new style at the moment Joe has gone over a lot about the world and life of a barber. As it turns out, you need a license to cut hair, even for simple stuff. Most schools take several months, where you need 1,200 hours of practice, a test you need to take and pass every two years, and in some cases, a GED. Oh, and if you move out of state, your training usually doesn't transfer, which means you need to do it all over again. We also touched on barbershops as a boys club, full of a masculine community, no girls allowed. But this seems to be misunderstood. Going into the subject, I learned that barbershops decreased 23% from 1992 to 2012, with a slight rise in 2013. My thought was that it might have something to do with a declining need for a male-only kind of place. As time goes on, barbershops seem to be merging with salons, some even advertising high-end haircuts for men. 
However, Joe sees the decline of barbershops and the importance of them in a different light. That's what you need 1200 hours just to be able to do something that seems pretty simple and is pretty simple and something you learn more on the job than in school. It actually kind of limits the number of barbers that can be out there and be licensed. And like I said, they're doing this part-time. They want to get into barbering as a full-time job to be able to make a good, learn, a good living for themselves. But they're working these part-time jobs and they're probably supporting a family or, you know, they're trying to clean up whatever situation they're coming from. And yet, Joe points out another, more corporate reason. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the abundance of chain salons, gray clips, supercuts, um, hair cutteries, whatever else the other ones are named. Um, they've got such high corporate capital that a lot of those places don't even really turn that much of a profit. Like they're almost just a tax write-off for some people to open up this shop and just have this space available. Yet, because they have that corporate capital, they can do these mass marketing pushes. They can move into an area and they send out, you know, a little pamphlet or whatever in the mail with, hey, here's a coupon for an $8 haircut or something. And along with convenience of barbershops, People also go to what's most cost effective for them. Right. It's, and just, it's just like Walmart. It's just like, you know, like you said, you see, you see a Walmart, you go, oh, I can go buy my soccer ball there. Or right. Yeah. But what I think in terms of the quality and why there's a slow underground kind of movement of trying to keep barbershops alive and why people are somewhat seeking them out at a higher regularity now is because someone will go to Cosmo school because Unfortunately, a lot of people see that as an easy thing to do. And they're just like, oh, I can just go do that and I'll, I'll get a job. They go, it's shorter than a two-year degree. It's definitely shorter than a four-year degree. They get there a few months and their hours and they pass their test. Now they have their license. They go to a chain shop, the Great Clips, whatever. They get them a job. They get paid an hourly rate as well as some percentage off of whatever cuts they do. So it's just another hourly gig. To them, it's just some job they're working. It's not a career, it's not a passion, it's not something they really see a lifelong future in and being able to support themselves and their family and provide, you know, a happy life. And this decline in quality, atmosphere, or focus in hair isn't just a loss of a traditional male haircuttery or the progression towards all-inclusive corporate services. It's a loss of a consistency. And that consistency, Joe says, is what builds rituals and more importantly, community. There is some ritualistic aspect to it. Um, I, I have, I think to be a successful barber long-term, you really need to build up a clientele where you have some people that come every week, you have some people that come every two weeks, you have some that come every three, every four, so on and so forth. Because that way you kind of know what you're taking in each month, you know what you can expect. And those people that come like clockwork, I mean, you, you see them regularly, you know their schedule almost, they come because it is a ritual to them. It's their time to sit down. They don't have a boss talking to them. They don't have family members talking to them. They don't have friends bothering them with other stuff. They're not having to plan anything. 
you know, it's mindfulness, you know, it's mindfulness. Yeah. It's true. Like literally you're taking care of your, and it's, you know, it, and it's mindfulness through for a lot of those that I have, I can't speak for everybody, but it's uh, a discipline, you know, it's having that strict of a schedule with something as small as a haircut to, to a lot of people that don't even care what their hair looks like most days to have that certain level of making it a habit that discipline brings them some level of peace and it is about maintaining their own personal image of themselves of knowing this is this is who i am this is what i look like this is what i want to maintain this is something joe cherishes he gets to meet new people learn new things and practice something that fulfills him i think one of the things that i've gained most actually and it's it's funny that you're doing this podcast now of talking to people in different trades, in different professions and how they stumble upon it. And I mean, one of my biggest questions that I ask new people is, is like, what do you do? And then I'm blown away by some of the responses because I have no idea that these jobs even exist. And then the next question leading from that is how in the hell did you even find out about this? And then discovering that there are so many paths and routes of entry into different things that I don't think people put a lot of time and energy into finding out. And it actually, what I've learned from it, it's given me a lot of hope and faith and confidence moving forward with, and so meeting all these clients and talking to so many different people in so many different career fields and professions, um, seeing that if you can do those little things, you can be successful at whatever you want. Seeing and meeting these people confirmed to Joe that this isn't the last stop. Being a barber has shown him just how much there is out there. There's more to learn from the world and the people in it. And just like the different individuals who come sit in his chair, I hope to replicate that aspect with this podcast to learn more about what people have to offer. I'll always be grateful for finding barbering as a trade because it is something that is global. It's, it's a worldwide profession. It's historically one of the oldest professions. I mean, it's for whatever reason, people look at hair and they use it as a way to show people who they are, what they're about, what their interests are, just off of that first glance. I'll always cherish like being a barber and knowing that it's always an option for me. I want to give a very special thanks to Joe Diaz for being on the very first episode of my podcast. You've been listening to Jack of All Trades, created and edited by me, Jack Palefko. My assistant producer and lead researcher is Logan Ortiz. Original music by Greg Mobley. Now, Logan and I are still working out how to organize our schedule and release dates for upcoming episodes. So, for the time being, you'll have to check in next time to find out what the episode will be about. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next time.